For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU Recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners 360. I'm your host, Matt, joined as usual by my co-host, Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, aka Mr. Sooner 55, the 360 film guru. Before we get to the show, just a quick reminder, subscribe to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, on your favorite platform of choice. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining us for episode number 24. We're calling this one QB1 for 2024 is in. Is a QB2 out there? Chris, hearing we've got a great starting point to kick off this episode, what, what's the latest in OU's recruiting world? Well, you got their second big commitment for 2024. Uh, Michael Hawkins uh, verbally committed today around uh, 2.40 Central Time. Had a nice little event at his high school. And if, if Jeremiah Newcomb was a huge surprise for most Sooner fans, Michael Hawkins is perhaps the least surprising verbal of this class so, uh, so far, or at least I think maybe for the whole class. OU's been so involved with Michael for... You know, so long. We've been talking about Michael, I think, since since January started uh, and we moved on to talking about 24. He's a huge commitment. Getting a quarterback in is always a great starting point for a class, kind of the linchpin in the class. And Michael is, you know, Michael's a very, very talented quarterback. 
with a lot of potential. And we'll get into that a little bit more uh, as, as we discuss it. So kind of an overview on Michael. He's His dad, as everyone knows at this point, was a Sooner cornerback in the same class as offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. Michael's been the, was the quarterback at Allen, Texas. He had a very good sophomore year at Allen. Uh, he followed that up with an offer from the OU staff at the summer camp of 2022. Jeff Levy wanted to see Mike and Michael in person. So Michael had already gotten offers from Alabama and a bunch of other SEC schools, including Arkansas. And Mike came up for the OU summer camps and, and proved, proved to Jeff Levy that he was worthy of an offer. And ever since he got that offer, OU has been kind of the presumed favorite. His, his junior campaign was a little tough. Allen had a lot of struggles on the field. Wasn't a great Allen team. Michael's uh, running back got injured in the Denton-Geyer game when Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen kind of lowered the boom on Allen a little bit, but their, their running back also got hurt. So, so it was a weak team, and then he lost probably his best skill position player and his best offensive complement once he lost the running back. Teams were really able to kind of tee off on Mike. And then there was some ugly off the field stuff, which probably, you know, which is just, it's not worth going into. It's not worth giving it the light of day. It was just, just some terrible off the field stuff that, 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 that Michael shouldn't have had to, shouldn't have had to deal with. And so he transferred, he went ahead and decided to transfer, I think for a fresh start, which I think was probably a good idea to, to um, uh, Frisco Emerson high school. And uh, ever since uh, his his junior year ended, Michael's been going to every possible um, event that he can, seven on seven camp events to just improve his game, work on his game. And at the most recent big event, uh, an Under Armour camp uh, in Texas, he won uh, he won the QB accuracy uh, contest and looked like the best QB there. Uh, so Mike's really worked hard on his game. So I'm, I'm hoping for a big senior bounce back senior year from him. So, so Matt, that's really kind of the story of how uh, Michael, what Michael's been going through. And then he really came down to TCU and OU after Kendall Bryles left Arkansas to go to TCU and OU kind of, you know, had just focused and won this recruiting battle probably in March when they had both, both of the Hawkins brothers, um, Michael's brother Malik is a, tw- is a 2025 cornerback, very talented, and kind of gave a recruiting pitch to both of them individually and kind of, you know, made it clear they wanted both of them to be Sooners. So, you know, I think today is just the culmination of that tough recruiting battle, first with Arkansas, then with TCU, but OU, OU has won out. All right. And before we kind of get into a little bit more deep dive on Hawkins's abilities, uh, we'll, we'll bring in Caleb for that part. Um, what what type of recruiting impact does this quarterback from the DFW area have for the 2024 class and maybe a little bit of 2025 class? Well, the, the first big impact, which is it's going to be a little strange, is and it's a story we've been talking about a little bit on here, and it's been making its way around the uh, uh, around the internet recruiting sites, is that his former Allen teammate, Davin Mitchell, has moved out to um, the Los Angeles great area, Los Alamitos High School. I know it's not technically Los Angeles, but it's sort of the bigger Los Angeles area. Uh, for, so he's moved out to there, but it sound, but he and Mike are very, very close. 
And if he reclassifies, he's a, he's a 2025 tight end right now. He's the number one tight end for 2025. Big kid, 6'4", 240, just dominates at the tight end position. Um, he's probably, he's really tied very closely to Mike. And I think if Mitchell can reclassify, he'll visit OU this summer. And I think OU will get Davin Mitchell and fill the tight end void in their recruiting classic. It almost kind of looks like OU's just waiting to see if all that picture puts together to come. So, cause they're not really aggressively pursuing a lot of tight end prospects. So I think they've been kind of trying to leave a, a space for Davin Mitchell. And if that all ties in, it wouldn't shock me if Davin Mitchell is not a top 100, top five tight end in the country for 24, even after reclassifying. But there's also a bunch of DFW area kids um, on Twitter, on an interview that he gave. Uh, Mike is talking about Max Anderson, Brian Wesco, Caden Durham. It's just, you know, some of the players that he's interested in having a relationship. I think Mike has a pretty close relationship with Peyton Pierce the linebacker from Lovejoy. So I think there's a, any number of kids that could be impacted by it. But I also think someone like Zion Kearney, who OU's made a really big run at, at wide receiver, now that OU has that quarterback, he now knows, okay, I've got either Jackson Arnold or, or Mike Hawkins throwing me, Michael Hawkins throwing me the ball. So I'm, I'm, I'm set for my, you know, my three, four years in Norman, I'm, I'm set at quarterback. So I think that's going to be a big, uh, a big boost there. Um, and I just think that, you know, he's he's going to be all in in terms of recruiting everybody. He's a huge Sooner legacy. I, I think he's just going to be as effective a salesperson as as Jackson Arnold was last year. Well, he's certainly been to Norman more than a handful of times recently. Um, yeah, I think Lebby's kind of been waiting on this to kind of be finalized before he moves on to some other plans, uh, which we can get into in a little bit. Um, but Chris, you talked a little bit about the impact that Hawkins will have on this recruiting class and maybe even next year's Caleb will bring you in to talk about what type of impact Michael Hawkins brings to the OU Sooners, to Jeff Levy's offense and how he kind of fits into that offense and into the quarterback room. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think Chris and I, probably back Chris tell me if I'm wrong January December the January time frame when it looked like Hawkins we trying to figure out who was going to be the Oklahoma's quarterback in this class you know and you start to watch Hawkins junior film and and Chris and I talk about it a decent amount you know there was for me some concern because you did not see this really big jump that you hoped for he, he did just kind of burst onto the scene as a sophomore and it was fantastic. And, and that didn't happen as a junior, right? The, the, the play was uneven. It was a little up and down, you know, to Chris's point, a lot of reasons why I think, you know, when I look at Hawkins and how he fits in this class as a recruit in a lot of ways, it's almost absolutely ideal for what you would want in my mind, effectively coming, particularly coming off of landing Jackson Arnold. I think everyone knows, right? Like either there's a risk factor in today's world of college football with the transfer portal and kids just running out. So for Oklahoma to be able to go out and get a kid that's a legacy, a little bit more tied to the program with an extremely high ceiling, but that does have a development runway, 
right? That he can continue to, to climb. And in some ways that's almost ideal because I, I think it's probably, you're probably less likely to run into a kid that in one year or two years is looking around thinking, I need to transfer. I need to go find a place to play. Right. I think you probably get, you've got a kid and, and it could be wrong. It's difficult when you don't know the kids to speak to character. Uh, but the thing that sticks out with Hawkins and Chris touched on it is the amount of work the kid has put in since the season ended to today. And it just continues everything you see on social media from him and his dad. It is essentially every single day. They're putting in a ton of work on footwork release. I mean, to the point where you go, ah, this, how good is his arm? And then this spring he goes to camps with other top quarterbacks and he's throwing the ball better than all of them. So like that growth trajectory is, is really, really impressive. And it's really exciting. You know, I think how he fits into the offense is again, almost ideal. I think when you start to like kind of look at comps, I really liked Kyle, uh, you know, on the board, right? So it, he, we'll have him on the pod here soon. I know he wants to be back on, uh, gave the Spencer Sanders comp. I think that's a pretty good one. Another one I would give and you know, uh, maybe this is the high end comp would be Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I think it's easy to see how Hendon really excelled in this exact same offense. Cause one of the things about this offense and what Levy will do right with that spacing, with the extremely wide splits, that's in a lot of ways it's designed for, you know, a number of things for me, when I look at it, the two things I immediately see that it does, right, is it helps ID coverage for the quarterback, which is going to make your life easier. And the second thing it does is it absolutely murders, it kills that overhang apex player that is trying to play in the box, but also play in the flat and coverage. He's got to choose one or the other, or he is lost in space. Where that guy really begins to get chewed up is when you have an athletic quarterback like a Hendon Hooker or like a Mike Hawkins that now is a factor in the run game. I mean, it just it takes that that over it takes that apex player right, which is in a lot of ways how how these teams how these defenses are trying to you know uh, combat these spread offenses are with these you know the third safety this linebacker safety hybrid. Well, when you get that spacing. And you can be as hybrid as you want to be, uh, you know, there's you've still you kind of got to make a choice. Are you going to play closer into the box or are you going to widen and try to play that flat? And, you know, I, I think Hawkins, his ability to come in, he's getting better as a passer, you know, day after day. And again, I think his ceiling is extremely high there because he throws the ball much more naturally than like even Barry said much he's, he's a better thrower than Nick Evers right he's a better athlete better thrower I'd rank him higher than who Oklahoma signed last year coming out of high school you know but the, his added ability with his legs in the run game and what that will do with the quarterback run game with the RPO in a lot of ways it helps I think again as you can see right Hendon Hooker he was a good quarterback at Virginia Tech some might argue is you know maybe not good, maybe just above average, right? Somewhere between above average and good, somewhere in that in that conversation. Now, he takes that same skill set and how it fits into that offense at Tennessee, which effectively is this offense, Heisman Trophy candidate. 
right? So I think, you know, not to say that uh, he's going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate in three to five years, but I think that's what you're, you know, a very similar track, I think, is possible where, as you look with Hendon, you know, hey, he's a, you know, fourth, fifth year guy. Uh, by that time, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I think Hawkins, he, he's got that level of ability to, uh, to be coached up and developed. And I think one of the other the items is with his brother probably being a Sooner as well. That's a little more stickiness in terms of, and his dad being a legacy. Um, so I think there's a little more stickiness there from a, from a transfer portal. You know, if we're obsessed about the transfer portal, I think Hawkins has maybe got a little more stickiness to OU. Yeah. And then I think the final thing is, I mean, props to Jeff Levy, Jackson Arnold, Michael Hawkins, and Kevin Sperry. I mean, I think a legitimate concern when, Lincoln Riley left was that he was taking, you know, he'd wrapped QB recruiting kind of a wrapped him around himself. Like, you know, QB, the QBs are great because I'm great, you know, and it all goes with me and it's all going to, it's all going to USC and especially from a recruiting <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. Um, but Levy's come in, he's got Jackson Arnold, five-star Michael Hawkins. He hits the elite 11 camp and makes a splash there and has a great senior year. You're, you're talking about a top 100 quarterback easily. Yep. And Kevin Sperry has all the potential in the world. So Jeff Levy now has the OU QB room set for the next three years in terms of, in terms of, you know, future kids. And that's just a great place for OU to be, to be in. We've talked about 24 and 25 recruiting classes right there for the taking. And now Jeff Levy's got the QB linchpins to lead those classes. Yeah. That's, that's a really good call out. I think, you know, for me, when, when, uh, when Riley was in Norman and you realized the SEC uh, transition was announced, first thought was, okay, that's going to be difficult. But when you have elite quarterback play, you've got a chance, right? And then, I, I mean, give whoever Lincoln Riley's agent is a ton of credit because he has created this narrative. And you, honestly, you saw it. You can go back and you can watch guys like Gil Brandt, who's kind of a mentor to Riley and folks getting all over the internet and in different conversations when Riley was just the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And if there was talk of maybe he was going to be a head coach, you started to see the offensive genius thing getting pushed everywhere that he's an offensive genius. He's an offensive genius. And I think to your point, Chris, it created this narrative that boy, Oklahoma offensive football began with Lincoln Riley and great quarterback play began with Lincoln Riley and what's going to happen post that. And I would, I mean, it, to me, it's, unbelievably clear if you stack up the first few classes that Lincoln Riley signed when he got to Oklahoma and what Jeff Lebby is doing there's no comparison I think the first two classes that uh, Lincoln Riley signed were Austin Kendall and uh okay first his first name but Roberson yeah Chris, of, Ro Chris, Roberson. Chris Roberson right people forget uh <laughs> Baker Mayfield was already on campus right Kyler Murray was committed to like he came when Bob was the head coach, right? I mean, the so it's the the ability to go out and get these type of quarterbacks in back to back to back classes. That's uh, it's pretty wild. I you know I it speaks a lot, and we'll see. I'm sure Jeff will have a head coach offers soon, but you know it really speaks to you know I think his his ability as a recruiter and how, how much respect he has, I think probably in, you know, I think it says a lot around the, in, in 
you know, Texas high school football scene for his, you know, for him to be able to do that. Well, there's, there's really not much to add what you guys just covered. I mean, I think he, he's a, he's got a lot of potential as a great prospect and Caleb, you touched on his growth as a kind of as a person and as a player, uh, what about his physical growth? I mean, he looks like a guy, some, some have him listed at six, one, some have him listed at six, two. He definitely looks like, especially in recent pictures, a guy who has grown physically. He might even be, you know, six, three or a little bit higher by the time he does get to Norman and weigh in, uh, he's listed around 195. I think we've kind of had a quick little discussion before we recorded that, um, you know, we wouldn't be surprised to see him at the 6'3", 210, 215 range by the time he's ready to contribute, which is a lot bigger than we first thought when uh, it became a real possibility that Hawkins was going to be an OU sooner. So just wanted to touch on that real quick that, you know, he's, he's growing into his body and and he's a lot bigger than I think he gets some credit for. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. He's uh, he's got a ton of room to continue to fill out in the upper body, which again, I think is a good thing, right? You don't see a lot of really muscled up, you know, quarterbacks. I think it probably limits your, you know, your, your flexibility and your accuracy, but his lower body really developed guy. He, he, He's a he's a track guy. He can really run. I think uh, Chris. It, I'm pretty sure you know when you watch his highlight reel, it's maybe the second or third play. There's a 75, 80 yard, maybe longer touchdown run. And it's against against, Saint, yes, it's against John Bosco. Bosco. Yeah, it, which is I, Bosco. If Bosco played IMG, Bosco might beat him. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's IMG's going out and recruiting every five star in the country. And Saint and Bosco is just. Bosco. So like that, you know, Oklahoma's recruiting a couple of kids out of that off that team. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it speaks to, he's got, he's got the juice with his legs, you know, and at, to your point, uh, to your point, I mean, he's what I think Hendon Hooker was six, three, two fifteen, two seventeen. I would not shock me. I, I don't know where Hawkins was measured last, but when you look at one of the measurements, it shows six, two and a half, one ninety five. So he yeah. might, he may have measured this spring at six, two and a half. Yeah, the most recent photo, he looks like 6'3. I mean, easy, easy. Um, but he just he just has a lot of potential. I mean, there's a you know, I think he's a real he's there is a potential that he struggles and maybe developmentally, you know, the 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 junior year is where he is at a quarterback, maybe. I think that's the only real risk, but he's he's kind of shedding a little bit of that with the work he's doing this spring. I think he's reducing that sort of risk label. A little bit, but again, I'll be I'll be interested to see how he does at the Elite Eleven camp, uh, and which should be coming up in Dallas. It's the one Jackson Arnold won last year. Everyone was like, that was sort of like the first one of the first movements of like, wow, Arnold's really, really, um, you know, really moved up the rankings after that. And I'll I'll be interested to see if 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 Hawkins can do the same thing because a couple of the couple of the ranking services have dropped him, have decided to go ahead and drop him pretty heavily off his his junior year. So I, I think they may find themselves having to adjust that greatly. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that, again, that I love about just his fit, you know, and is just within Jeff's, with Jeff's offense there, he does, and there's so much that's done from half field reads and from that spacing perspective and how he dials things up that, uh, you know, it makes, 
it makes life a bit easier on quarterbacks. And I, I've always, I'm a kind of a firm believer that I think quarterbacks with effectively elite physical traits, right? Like Anthony Richardson in Florida's offense is not a great football player. He's a fantastic prospect, not a great football player. I think if you put Anthony Richardson in the Jeff Levy offense, he's a Heisman Trophy candidate he's sitting on the stage because of what it's going to how it's going to accentuate his ability and so that's one of the other things like with Hawkins and and to your point Chris uh, he looks so much better he looks so much more natural throwing the ball when you watch his even his junior stuff on on tape or his sophomore stuff uh, the way he looks today the spring of his junior year throwing at camps he looks like a quarterback he does not look like an athlete trying to learn how to play quarterback. He's the way he's throwing the ball. You can see that all of the all of the work is has paid off or is paying off. All right. Well, OU gets their 2024 quarterback in the bag. Michael Hawkins Jr. finally commits. It's something we've expected for some time now, but he's he's in the class now. It's not the only commit from this week off the OU target board. Hawkins was great news, but Chris, there was some not so good news from some of the OU targets. Uh, what's the latest on some of those guys like Aaron Flowers? Well, Aaron Flowers committed yesterday. Um, midweek, I was I was convinced it was going to be USC. And then Wednesday night, Thursday night, all of a sudden, all the recruiting experts started flipping their forecasts to Oregon. And he chose Oregon. So... Uh, when he was with USC, as Caleb had indicated last week, I would have thought, oh, you might continue to recruit him just based upon the, the Lincoln Riley MO of pushing for commits that they can't hold on to. Uh, I'm not so sure pulling him away from Dan Lanning and uh, Corporation Nike is something OU is really going to spend a lot of effort on. Uh, so I, I think Aaron Flowers to, uh, to Oregon is probably something that will, that will stick. Uh, but I think OU's got, you know, I'm not, I think OU's got good safety targets there. So I'm not really so sure that that's how big a loss this is. I, I actually prefer Babu Torre on film. And if you play Michael Boganowski at safety, maybe I prefer, uh, maybe I prefer Boganowski as well. Uh, the two other hits OU took, which we're going to talk about a little bit in depth coming up, is James Peoples to Ohio State and Andrew Sprague to Michigan. And we're going to talk about a little in depth about the the hits so you absorb with with both of those uh, both of those commitments. All right, so that's kind of the latest uh, with what's going on in OU's recruiting world up to this point. Uh, but going forward, official visits are starting to be set up. We talked a little bit about this last week, uh, but this week we've got a little bit more data on which players are setting up their uh, their visits, uh, when those will be. Chris, Bennett Warren recently set up his. Uh, what's what's the story on Warren's visit? Well, he set up his visit for June 16th to June 18th, which I'd mentioned before. I think that's the big OU weekend. Last year, OU had a big weekend was June 3rd, and OU signed, you know, like five, like seven to 10 kids from that visit weekend. So they had a great hit rate there. Uh, they lost one or two kids, uh, Vasek, and I think uh, the wide receiver who chose Georgia, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Um, so he's now the 16th, the same weekend, that big weekend. And and Bennett's interesting because 
right? He's a four-star, a couple of services are lukewarm on him, but 247 has moved him up to the number 82 player in the nation on their rankings. So he's he's got a lot of uh, energy around him and some services out there are starting to realize that OU probably is is moving to the front on him. So that's a big official, that's a big official visit set up for the Sooners. All right. And it sounds like June 16th, like you mentioned, is going to be a big weekend. A shocker to some, but to others who have been listening to the podcast and checking out Sooners360.com, there's a possibility that Michael Hawkins Jr. will not be the only quarterback of this 2024 class recent visitor Samaj Jones out of the Philadelphia area great quarterback prospect in the six foot range 200 pound really looks up to Jalen Hurts loves OU loves Levy Levy reciprocates that it sounds like Jones is coming back already on that June 16th weekend for his official visit what's the latest on that Chris well, I had thought previously, the, the last update we gave, the general thought out there was that um, Samaj Jones was going to go to Penn State on June 16th, and he was going to probably try and schedule his OU visit in either late May or the last weekend in June, that, that visits are allowed the June 23rd weekend. But Samaj just posted a, a Twitter update where he's talked about his visits for June and as a visit in the, as a visit uh, June 2nd. And as a visit June 9th, I, uh, I think June 2nd is West Virginia, June 9th in Cincinnati. But I may have that reversed because, sorry, I wasn't really, not really paying that much attention to those, to their, to their, to their recruiting uh, schedules. But the big news was OU had now moved into the June 16th window and he didn't list a Penn State official visit. So OU seems to have gotten Samaj to change his schedule to come in the weekend they want him to come into. And there are some rumblings around that Penn State is kind of falling off Samaj's recruiting and trying to go all in with Michael Van Buren, which is which is interesting because Van Buren still has a number of other schools he's looking at, including Oregon, uh, lurking lurking around there. And I'm, if I was Penn State, I would kind of be worried about Oregon. But so that all of a sudden, I think maybe moves OU to the forefront for Samaj Jones, which. I think makes the viability of two four-star quarterbacks in the same class a, a, a much more realistic possibility because Samaj did that this week. He knows Michael Hawkins is committing, probably to OU. That's that's out there. The OU coaches have probably updated him on that as well. I know they've told our sources are telling us that they, you know, that Hawkins knows that OU is looking at another quarterback. He's fine with that. He's he's all in for the competition. So OU could move into a position where they could get two quarterbacks in this class, which would be kind of ideal. I, I don't think Michael Hawkins is not a quarterback, but when you have a guy who could be 6'2", 6'3", 2'10", probably runs a sub 4 or 5, 40, you know, if, if for some reason Hawkins' QB development just went off the rails, I mean, I I don't think it's – and I don't, and he wants to play quarterback. I'm not suggesting that – the OU's trying to play some, you know, um, some bait and switch with him. He's going to be a quarterback. But if for some reason it did go off the rails, you know, you know, Hawkins could easily be a wide receiver. He's got excellent ball skills. So if you had another quarterback in the class who, you know, is also playing, can also play quarterback, you know, you got another guy. I think that's the most, it's, it's the best of both worlds. 
So, so, so Caleb and Matt, what do you think about OU adding a second quarterback? And, and is that a great move? Do you like what OU's doing? Knowing that they have Sperry in 25 as well? Do, do you think this is going to work out for OU? I, I like the move personally. Um, I think one thing that plays into this decision from Lebby and Venables' perspective, trying to manage a program, we've seen the proliferation of the portal. Uh, we've talked about it, especially during the offseason. You know, this player going there, this player going there. When it comes to the quarterback position, development is is paramount. And I think this is Lebby and Venable saying, you know, we, we've tried to backfill our quarterback depth chart when we first got here through the portal. Didn't work out whatsoever. Um, nothing against the guys that did come in. It, it just wasn't a fit, uh, whether that was uh, schematically or personally or whatever the case was. There just wasn't that time to develop the relationship, get a guy in, work him into the system a year, two years, three years, whatever it takes to get that player up to speed. So I think Venables and Lebby probably had a sit down and said, we need to get two guys in this class that are, are you know, high school graduates. So they're, they're 18. They'll have plenty of time to develop. Let the cream rise to the top organically rather than be stuck again maybe in two years down the line jackson arnold has started for a season or two nobody is really behind him well then what do you do you can't go to the portal and get a guy that's ready and willing to be a backup to a potential you know nfl type player so i love the move personally uh and i think these are two perfect targets if you are going to have a two quarterback class like that, especially following up one of the best quarterback prospects that OU has signed in a while uh, outside of Caleb Williams. So I think these are, these are projects. They're not elite five-star talents yet. I mean, they can still develop. They still have a full season to go, but they're projects that you can work on, develop them to your system, to your liking, and hopefully Lebby is here for that long, which we will get into in just a second. Um, but it, it just gives OU a better opportunity to have a lot more control over the quarterback room. Caleb, what do you think? Uh, you know, so my thought is I love it and I hate it. I'm not tied <laughs> to either one. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, if I knew what the rule was going to be, coming out of this season in December, if the NCAA was going to extend the rule and say you can sign another large class to backfill to help mitigate the mess we made with the COVID ruling and with the transfer portal, you know, like they did this past year where they said, okay, you can sign up to whatever it was, 30, you know, there's no limited. There's no, no limit. Unlimited. You yeah. can sign unlimited number of kids. If they and I think there's a good chance they will then I love that. I love it. I think it's a must and you have to. Where I worry about it a little bit is only if if the NCAA continues their their long standard of incompetence and doesn't do that, then does that you just I would part of me would love to say, you know, it's, that, it's tough at a 25. There's 25. I put a class together. I'm putting 25 players together with two quarterbacks and you limit us to 25 players. 
I'm dropping a name and I'm like, where do I drop it? Do I lose a a linebacker? Do I lose the ability to stay in the Kobe Black recruiting? Uh, Do I lose a fourth wide receiver? Um, Am I going to take three running backs? Is Xavier Robinson now no longer somebody who can be in the class? So there's, you're right. If they go two QBs, we're losing a ship from somewhere else. So is it D-line, linebacker? O-line, I hate for it to be O-line. I think we all would, you know, or wide receiver. Um, can, can you know, are you going to make Emmett Jones turn away? Somebody like Xavier Jordan? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I agree with your point completely. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing on the, on the defensive line. You know, if, if, if you've got a defensive end, you know, or uh, a defensive tackle that, you know, is, is looking at it and saying, Hey, I, I really want to be, you know, a sooner and you've got to turn and go to, you know, I don't know, like, let's just say Nigel Smith as an example. Well, let's right? say, let's say Edric Houston, right. OU hits the field and beyond anybody's comprehension right now, I know everyone's freaking out about the D line and linebackers. Let's just say the defense has, you know, it's flying around the field and looks good, right. Back seven looks good. And, some of the youngsters are helping on the D-line and on the edge, right? And Trace Ford and 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 uh, our friend from Wake Forest have helped at the end. And all of a sudden, OU's playing great on defense. And Edric Houston says, I want to be part of that. And you're yeah. like, well, we have a second quarterback. We can't take Edric Houston. Yeah, yeah. And so the, melt, the meltdown on our message board when we have some it leaks that OU had to drop Edric Houston because they're taking Samaj Jones will be would would be catas will be cataclysmic it's just it's like it's like a bad disaster movie yeah and understandable right you think because if you're able to sign or sammy brown right again our you know stutzman has a great year right an all-american type year and sammy brown's like i want to be that guy and all of a sudden you're saying yeah we we have to we can't take sammy brown And, and so that's that's my my hope is the NCAA changes that rule because I think Oklahoma, this is a pretty this is a talented recruiting class and Oklahoma sets in a really good spot with a number of these guys and I know there's been a massive amount of roster turnover the past two years I think another round of it would would be great <laughs> it sounds like a really terrible thing to say but you just be able to influx more high end talent so yeah if you tell me that the the NCAA is going to get right and go in and say, hey, because we still have super seniors for another year, we're going to make this again. I think you have to take two quarterbacks because, and I've, there's probably a drinking game to me mentioning, uh, you know, uh, Booty potentially transferring, but I, I, I just continue to think like Bevel, right? Uh, and Booty are both flight risks. And, and Booty, it's just a track record, four different high schools in four years, and then a junior college, and then Oklahoma. So you're looking at six years, six programs, uh, him him, him leaving. And I think both his dad and uncle transferred while they're in college. It's just not – it's a rite of passage to some regards for that family. And so I think you kind of have to almost have two quarterbacks coming in because I think what we're hearing now – and this is a good plug for everyone to go sign up, like, right? Go Sooner360.com and get some of the insight, like what we're hearing about Jackson Arnold and how Levy feels about him and how things are shaking up. I don't, he's not going to redshirt. It, it, it doesn't sound like it, right? So 
you know, you're going to need two quarterbacks because uh, you've got a good chance that if he's your backup and he's playing a bunch this year, Booty, Bevel are gone, and then DG graduates, you're going into 24 with two guys. So you, you've got to take – you've got to take, uh, you know, a, a, a second high school one because to Matt's point, right, are you really going to go out if with Jackson Arnold, if he plays half the year and plays great and it looks like he's the next guy, are you really going to be able to go out on the – on the market and convince a, a transfer that's really good. Hey, come in here and come in here and sit behind true sophomore Jackson Arnold. I mean, Jackson already scared away DJ Lagway. I mean, DJ Lagway was all over OU last spring, you know, really interested in OU at OU, you know, wanted to go to OU summer camps, loved Levy. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jackson Arnold wins the elite 11 camp. And he's like, I think I'm going to Florida. So what, one thing I do like about both of these guys, and I think, Caleb, you, I think you can talk a little bit about it, is that, is that Jones is a really effective running quarterback. So if either of these guys were in 24, I'm projecting far ahead, forced to be on the field, they've got really good QB run games to help them with that, you know, to help them with that, you know, that fire hose of having to play college football earlier than intent, starting college, starting college football early than intending. I mean, I could see Jones, you know, easily be able to, you know, they could shorten the game for him or, or Hawkins and say one, two reads, then go and, and, and be able to run the ball. So I think those two guys coming in, you know, gives OU, you know, if in an emergency setting, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a good mobile quarterback who, you know, like third and five, third and six, you can say, Hey, look for something. Then, then just go for the yards, just move the sticks for us. Yeah, so. no, you nailed it, honestly. And that's it's funny. That's when you, uh, I, watching some of the NFL draft stuff, it's a critique on Hendon Hooker, right? In that offense, it's one of the things they mentioned of, hey, he does a lot of half field stuff and it's one, two, maybe one, two and a check down. And then he's, and then he's running. How's that translate to the NFL? And, and I would say the NFL just continues to morph. So probably decently well. But, uh, I think that's another piece of it uh, with both Jones and, and Hawkins is again, their ability as runners and their sturdy kids. And Samaj is, is a thick, you know, thick kid, you know, the, the ability to run inside and out and, and really utilize a lot, maybe even say a lot of heavy quarterback run game. If you wanted to, you know, similar to uh, what, what Jeff did, in his final year at Ole Miss, right? There was a, a lot of QB run game with uh, – I forget the Matt kid. Corral, Matt Corral. With Corral, yeah. And, and so, yeah. And, and, yeah, I love Samaj Jones. I think he's got – looks – and we talked about this on maybe two pods ago. And you watch his junior stuff, and, and it's maybe it's because they're playing the same teams and it's a lot of the same competition. And you see him playing at Gonzaga High School – you know, where Caleb Williams plays, Caleb Williams uh, played high school ball. There's some similarities in, in just, you know. There's, there's some flashes. There's some there's flashes some, of yeah. Hertz and CW and Caleb in his game. It's, yeah, it's got a big it's a little arm. Bit, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're biased because we saw those guys so much, but it's just like, it's just like flashes of it. Like, okay, wow. But yeah, yeah. It's, I think both kids could, could, you know, flourish under Lebby. Um, but I think, you know, their mobility gives them a chance if they, if they were put, if for some something something occurred where they had to go start a game, you wouldn't freak out. Not because you know, hopefully you'd have a big O line, you know, B and B's building. 
build rebuilding our lines and you've got a good core of running backs and hopefully some wide receivers that they, you know, they've got, they'd have talent around them and they wouldn't be just, they wouldn't be the, the ineffective uh, model we saw uh, the Davis Bevel ineffective world we saw, which was not all on Bevel, but certainly um, right. I think Jeff's, I think Jeff Levy would be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Hawkins and Jones every ability to, to go, go run the ball for 60 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. But to your point, right. There is a reason a lot of folks thought and hoped and, and were surprised a little bit that Micah Bowens was not either one of the quarterbacks that Oklahoma rolled with against yeah, Texas. Yeah. And it's because of his athletic ability, his ability to be an extra runner. And yeah, you know, to your point, you can do some things where you can say, okay, via formation and the play call and what we're going to do from a design, it's going to be one, two, and, and, and we're going to be running, or it's going to be one and we're going to run. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the NCAA, uh, does something right in that regard and they did it last year so i shouldn't be so critical of them uh, although they've earned that but you know it i think with the transfer portal they may have to just start doing it anyway i think they're gonna have to you know it's been talked about a lot right something like 60 percent of the kids that have gone in the portal over the last three years are have have not landed back yeah just 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 to create enough spots so we don't have these kids hanging out there not finishing their degrees. That's what worries me the most. I know. Yeah, maybe they bump it to you, you keep the 85 limit, but you bump the class limit to 30. Yeah. Use, use it that, however you want. You know, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Use it however you want. High school guys, transfer guys, Joko guys, however you want to use it. Just so, I mean, just so there's more spots for these, for these kids who are just, who aren't, who aren't doing themselves any favor, putting themselves in the portal. And then our, I mean, do we, We've got like three or four OU kids that are just floating out there, right? I think more. I think more than that. But you know what? I think they're going to have to. The NCAA will have to because you've got programs like I was it maybe Central Michigan, right? That had a really good year and, and got pillaged. And then, and then yeah, that, you know, <laughs> hey, we've got we've got you know three or four all MAC defensive linemen. We've got an all MAC receiver. We've got an all MAC tight end. An all MAC running back. Well, hey, guess what? UCLA needs a running back. Like LSU needs a defensive tackle. Florida State needs a defensive tackle, right? And they all these guys just take NIL money and roll. And if you don't give those programs, Wyoming is another really good example. If you don't give them the ability yeah. every year to go sign 30, they're going to start putting rosters of 56, 57, 58 kids on the field because, hey, you told us we can only sign, you know, whatever it is, 85 in a rolling four years. And we've had 65 kids walk out in the last three. And I just and and I, you're totally right about that. But I'm just I'm just afraid of what this does to graduation numbers and how many of these kids are just you know they're in the transfer portal thinking they're going somewhere else and they're just not. And you know, and they're juniors, they're juniors, and you know, and or if they're three or four year players. I mean, you know, I'd I'd love for OU to be able to tell these four or five kids that can't find anywhere to go to say. Just, just come back to Norman and, you know, we've got, we've got you for a semester to get you graduated, right? And just some of OU to do that some way to just take care, just take care of these kids academically. I know that seems like a naive point, you know, and NIL um, money and all that, but, nope. you know, I, bet, I, I just, I would love for OU to be able to just, even though, you know, the NCAA wouldn't allow for OU to be able to say to their, you know, some of their transfer portal kids who aren't finding any homes, look, don't worry, we've got scholarships for you. 
You can, you know, you can walk on back at OU. We've got NIL walk on money to get you through another academic year to get you graduated. You know, the sole program to get you micro internships and find you, find you a place outside of football. And that'll just help your recruiting down the line too. You know, Hey, come to OU. If it doesn't quite work out, we're going to look after you. Well, put you anywhere. And we're putting our money where our mouth is. We're, we're not just going to leave you hanging out there. Speaking of hanging out there, there's a, there's another name that you did bring up uh, circling back to recruiting news yes. uh, that does have a official visit set up. Uh, it is not the weekend of June 16th, but it's about a week after that. And that is one of my favorite players of the class. Uh, it's going to be a hard pull, but Chris, Sammy Brown, inside linebacker from Georgia. He's a five-star. He set up his visit. Uh, what's the latest uh, tidbit on Brown? Well, he was just in Norman, and he's been teasing OU fans on Twitter. I mean, OU fans are trying to be realistic about this. They're behind Georgia and Clemson for this kid. He's from a, he's from Jefferson, Georgia, which is like 30 miles south of Athens. So both of these programs have huge advantages in distance and connection. And let's just be honest, on the field play. But he's he's just posted Twitter photos of him in number 44, right? And then he just posted a picture of Bosworth next to him. And the kids kind of got a little bit of a, is it fair to say a mullet? Can we say a mullet? Oh, he's absolutely got a mullet and it is fantastic. <laughs> so he's he's teasing OU fans with, I mean, he is a Bosworth-like dominating linebacker. Let's just say what it, say, say it for what it is. He is. And he's, he's in 44. He looks like $2,000 million to create a number. $11 billion, and, and he's coming back. He always gets his last official visit weekend. So he's got connections to Ted Roof, Venables, Skalski. OU's throwing everything they can at him. I, I just don't know it will be enough. I, I got to think, hope, maybe he's the one kid that says, I want to get away for college. Like, hey, I want to get away for college, right? That one of those one of those battles comes up and, and OU can – can can win there but you know to bring up another name for Caleb while he was in town right before him is maybe the only physically physical linebacker prospect that's close to Sammy Brown and that was Braden Platt inside linebacker from Washington he's 6'2 240 he's a he's a top 100 player in the nation he's from Washington State so Usually I'd say, oh, you can't sign a kid from Washington State, but they just just did that. And Josiah Wagner's blowing up in spring ball. Heath Ozetta. And Heath Ozetta's on his way. He's going to be a big, big, big offensive lineman for B&B to develop and Schmitty to develop down the road. But Brandon Platt, Caleb, I know you you agree, is he's just a beast on video. And he oh. looks like a million dollars. Oh yeah. So he, he tweeted out stuff on his social as well of him in a uniform. And I think I said this on the board, he could have padded up and walked out and you would look at Platt, Kobe McKenzie, Canick, those that group and be like, that's a really good looking group of linebackers for a division one power five team, right. That's trying to compete for a, yeah, a conference championship looks great. I, I mean, he is, he and Sammy Brown, both, uh, uh 
Yeah, Dude. I'm just I just pulled up his Twitter photos. What the hell? Oh, yeah, I mentioned that right. He is. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only concern with him is, and I don't think it'll happen because he, you know, he says they're not a bodybuilder. He's just kid likes working out. He likes to get after it. Physical. I mean, you watch his film. He is a physical kid. He when he arrives, it is violence. You know, uh, he hits guys and, and the first thing that hits is the back of their head where their feet were at. It's uh, like he gets after it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his. I, I think that, you know, he and Sammy Brown are their films comparable. They both play a lot of fullback, both play inside linebacker, and it is sideline to sideline putting the hurting on people. Sammy's a little taller, a little longer, you know, uh, maybe a little his film, maybe a little bit more impressive. But I mean, uh, Platt right there right there i you know if you told me hey that's going to be oklahoma's inside linebacker for this class i mean it's uh it's a home run uh, it's a home run you know i, I know i can sense I, everybody could chris in your in your voice how much you like sammy brown uh but yeah if 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 pratt is or platt rather if he's the if he's the consolation prize that would be that'd be huge i think it'll be interesting i know he's visited oregon and uh oregon will obviously be you know, with, with Tosh and, uh, and I forget who their head coach is, right. Dan Lanning with Tosh and Lanning up there, you know, that they'll do everything by the book with the <laughs> utmost amount, uh, you know, of, of respect for rules, right. Integrity is what they lead with. So you don't <laughs> have to, you know, no concern there. Uh, you know, maybe it's not an NIL kid, but he looked really good in the OU uniform. He he could be a guy that could come in and and, and help play. You know. Well, real quick, Caleb, do you, do you think it's kind of interesting that uh, OU didn't really go after a a heavy middle linebacker like this last year, and now you've got Platt well, Pichotti, and Brown. Pichotti, Pichotti's a moose. Yeah, Pichotti. It's a good. Point. How did I how did I forget about Pachati? He is I, huge. He I, looks I, I great too. <laughs> I should have, I should have mentioned him because that was another guy I thought of. Right when again, like you look at uh, Kobe and Pachati and Kanak looks great as well. Right, you look at that group uh, and those three guys, and how you can I think you can even see it in Stutzman. He looks is physically. I think his weight is listed a little bit lighter. It's got to be inaccurate because he looks thicker. He looks more dense. Uh, there was a lot of volume maybe in what they're doing, but he's, he looks better physically. All of them do. And yeah, I mean, uh, he, he would, he would fit right in. He's a, he's a physical monster. I, I think it says a lot that he, he made it all the way from, from Washington to, uh, to Norman on his own. Well, Chris, uh, we mentioned two commits that did commit elsewhere peoples and sprague uh how, how big of a loss are are those two to this class and is this something that will be easy to backfill well i think peoples is an easier backfill because ou has hayden durham and if they only want to go with one like smaller back and then take xavier robinson as a big back it's not that much of, not that big a deal but if ou wants two feature backs Caden durham is like your speed back and maybe more of an all-round bigger all-round back then things get a little muddled but I think a name to, to, to watch out here is Nathan Frazier from May to Day, who OU just offered last week. DeMarco Murray's not offering running backs at this point in recruiting out of the blue without a reason. So I think there may be something going on in the background where 
where OU's heard that Frazier really wants to be in, recruited by OU. So that's a name to watch, I think, on, on the running back board. Uh, the other other name to think about is maybe, maybe Taylor Tatum. He's been mentioned with OU a little bit, but hasn't made a visit to Norman. Michigan's got their running back. Ohio State's got their feature running back. So maybe Taylor Tatum says, let me give OU a, a let me give OU a second, another look. So I think that's entirely possible because Texas is likely getting Jarek Gibson from uh, from IMG. Uh, Tashar Choice is doing a good job doing running back recruiting at Texas. So I think that's kind of where we are with running back. Um, on Sprague, Sprague's a bigger hit. Um, you know, he was our number. We did our offensive tackle big board last week. And the, for the benefit of doing it, Andrew Sprague then decided to uh, go to Michigan. So I think he's a bigger loss. But I think OU's got can can backfill there. Caleb, if you if you had to if you had to guess, would you where do you think OU should focus on offensive tackle with with Sprague now at Michigan? Oh, so offensive tackle is one of those those positions that I I my mind immediately went to when we were talking the two quarterbacks in the in the uncapped signing rule because I, I I do think Sprague it is it is a loss it is a hit you hate to see a Kansas City Rockhurst uh, offensive lineman choose Michigan it's understandable in some regards um, you know I still think and I mentioned this on, on the board I, I really like where Oklahoma is at with a number of those offensive tackles you know I mean if you look at guys uh you know, like Easley and uh, like Bennett Warren, they're bigger, maybe a little bit more developed uh, physically at this point than what Sprague uh, was. Maybe I, I think there's still obviously big areas for both of those guys. Funny enough, uh, kind of in the same same area they need to work on, uh, just kind of hands and pass sets, but that yeah, they would have to work on and clean up if they were to choose to get to Norman, uh, you know, but I think they're still sitting in a good spot. I really still like Cade Massey uh, and Garrett Sexton. You know, both of those guys are, to me, a lot of the prototypical from an athlete standpoint, what you're looking at at frame, body control, movement, you know. Kind of some Logan Howland, at Logan Howland clones a little bit. Yeah, you know, and, and I mentioned this like ad nauseum, you know, on here when you yeah. really start to go back over the last 10 years and say, let me, let me look at these offensive tackles in the NFL, the guys that are starting, the guys that were high draft picks, the top end. And I, you try to correlate where were they as a junior, where were they as a senior in high school? They were not 350 pounds. They were not 330. They were not 320 pounds. They were more times than not, you know, 250, 260, 270. They were just in that range. And, you know, it's natural. You're, if you're that, if you're six, seven, 260 pounds and you're 16 as a junior in high school, you know, by the time you're a redshirt freshman in college and you've been doing nothing but eating and lifting weights and you're not playing basketball anymore, you're 310 pounds. Uh, you know, so I, I really like those guys, really like Liam Andrews. I mean, I say all of that to say Sprague is a loss. I think Oklahoma's in a really good more, spot. It's more of a regional guys. loss, like, you know, how dare you come in and take a kid from Casey Rockers from us? Right. Yeah. It's like, gosh, he's really good, super high ceiling. Yeah. But eh, you know, like, hey, there's, you know, there's we've got guys that are probably close to you know, the same grade 
on the board that are leaning to Oklahoma. So it's, 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 it's their loss is relative. And one interesting thing is, Caleb, when we were doing the o offensive tackle rankings, we weren't really sure where OU was with Garrett Sexton from Wisconsin, who you and I both like on film. I mean, if he had, if he was 6'7", 270 right now, he'd be a top 100 recruit easily. Yeah. And he's, and he's committing on May 1st, and he's down to four schools. He's down to Minnesota, uh, I think Iowa, Penn State, and Oklahoma. And he's never been to Oklahoma, but OU's in his top four. So we're trying to track down if he's going to be visiting for the spring game. And I think if he visits it for OU at the spring game, and then a week later he's making a decision, and I kind of like OU. I kind of like OU's chances. I might move him up my board. I moved him down because I just didn't – I had no idea. He's from Wisconsin. Who knows if OU can sign him or not. But if Garrett Sexton moves up, I mean, I, I'm seeing a – you know, because Logan Howland was 6'7", you know, 250 probably at the end of his junior year. And, he, and he, he, you know, he's like 285 by the time he's going to roll into Norman probably. But, you know, we don't know that Sexton isn't already, you know, has not already added good mass to his body already. And by the time his, he starts his senior year, he could be, you know, 6'7", 265. And, then, and I think at that point, he's a much higher, he's a four-star recruit easily. Yeah. No, so, and I'm... I don't know why. And certain things always stick in my mind, right? Uh, my comp for Sexton, who I really – I think I think the world of the kid from an upside and what he could grow into and be. And, again, for me, a lot of times because offensive line, it really is so developmental, right? Uh, it's not what are you today. It's what are you going to be in three years when you're actually going to be playing football for us. You know, uh, my my comp for him has been uh, Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame. And you look at McGlinchey when he came out of uh, William Penn Charter School. He was – I've seen this and I, I can remember it because I was like blown away. At, you know, he – again, Notre Dame had a really good run of offensive linemen. He was one of them. Went in the first round of the Niners, 310-pound kid, highly athletic, 6'7", 6'8", I think, uh, you know, just really good player. When he signed his letter of intent, which was February of his senior year, he was 270 pounds when he signed it. I think he looked at him as a, as a, as a junior, he was in that same range as what you see sex. And he was in that 250 pound range, you know, and fast forward a year later, he's, he's 270, right. Gets to Notre Dame red shirts or however they do that. You just don't play. Uh, but, you know, by the time he leaves Notre Dame and is playing, he's 300 to 310 and, and an all American tackle and not saying that Sexton's going to be an all American tackle. It's just, you know, from a physical comp standpoint, you know, it's all the upside in the world with him. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, it's interesting though he's getting some, you know, some Northeast, sorry, not Northeast, kind of upper Midwest kids onto campus and visiting. Um, and speaking of that, we're gonna we're gonna move to some other kids uh, on the O-line. It's time for our position big board battle. And we're gonna do offensive guard and offensive center this week. Um, I'm gonna play the role of tracking players purely by their interest level and signability to OU. Caleb's going to take the uh, the purest view and assess them assess them on their talent and upside. Going to go ahead and start with 
Caleb, you want me to go ahead and start like I did last week? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, give it a run. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start. So my number one guy based upon interest, signability, and talent is Casey Poe, the uh, brutal, brutal offensive guard from Lindell, Texas, four-star, top 150 composite. He's in the top 100 on two rankings. I think he may jump into the top 50 on on three the next time they do their rankings because they love him. So he's my number one guy. He's been a Norman like five or six times. OU is going to have to battle everybody for him, but I think they've got the edge. Number two on my board, based upon interest, signability, and talent, is Max Anderson, the six foot four, six foot five, 300 pound uh, offensive guard, offensive tackle from Frisco, Texas. He's a four star, top 200 player. His brother's on campus. He's got a lot of connections to players in the DFW area. We just heard Michael Hawkins say he's a focus for me. So Michigan's making a run at him. But I think I think OU uh, has the lead there. The next guy, based upon interest, signability, and talent, would be Grant Bricks. He's six foot six, two sixty, but he's more of an interior guy. Another bruiser, physical kid from Iowa. He's a four-star player, top top one hundred and fifty. He doesn't seem he doesn't seem that he's a, a lock for Iowa. So it'll be interesting to see where he is after his his unofficials and if he sets an official date. The next guy on the list is actually more of a center. He is Jason Zandamella from Clearwater, Florida. He's six three, two eighty five. He has nearly a seven feet wingspan, so he's got that long reach to hit. Uh, from the center spot to to hit defensive lineman. He's got got a long reach. Uh, I like him on film. He's a four-star top 250 player, apparently very interested in OU. It might be be an official visit and see where we are. And now a guy I'd love to rank higher on my board, but his interest level in OU seems to be dropping, and that's Eddie Pierre-Louis. The 6'3", 320-pound absolute monster from Tampa, Florida. He's a four-star, top 200 player. I think that's a ridiculous ranking. I think he's probably a top 100 player at offensive guard. Uh, Teammate of Lewis Carter, Sooner signee Lewis Carter. And I'm just hoping at this point that his lack of interest is just, his lack of visits is just a tough time getting out to Norman and that OU can bring him in for an official and maybe just, you know, have an avalanche of, of momentum from there. The last guy I'm ranking at number six, the next guy I'm ranking at number six is a brand new offer by OU. His name is Emerson Mandel. He's about six foot five, 300 pounds. He's from Minnesota, another upper Midwest kid. And he's a three-star player. He looks much better than that on film. He's starting to build up a big offer list. Uh, I, I, I really like him on film. The next guy is Daniel Cruz. He's from Richland, Texas. He's 6'4", 290. He's been referenced to OU for quite a while, but it's kind of fallen off this spring. I don't think he's been back to Norman, and everyone seems to think he's heading to Texas. That's why I have him lower on this list. And the last one is uh, Preston uh, Tawamua from Hawaii. He's 6'4", 310. He's a four-star, top 200. He looks... Looks pretty good on film. I just have know nothing about whether he's still interested in OU or not, or if this is any connection that OU has with him. It's his name's certainly not coming up. So 
from my perspective, that's the uh, that's the ranking of the eight names on the OU offensive guard, offensive center, big board. And I think OU's probably only taking two players here. They're going to try and take three tackles and two interior guys. So, Caleb, that's my that's my breakdown on the list. Where do you have the guys ranked? Gosh, let me first say I hope they find a way to take maybe more. I would love to see an offensive line class of six. Uh, I think well, two quarterbacks, three running backs, four wide receivers, five big <laughs> line. And, you, and if you get Braden Platt, and Peyton Pierce, then you're going to want Sammy Brown. How many, how many players do you think OU could sign, Caleb? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of them. Everyone. Uh, th- yeah, I mean, because, again, like I think it's just the ability to, you know, uh, get the right players, more talent, just continue to rotate. You know, there's uh, there's still some, some holdovers, I think, that are, you know, uh, and Norman that will that will be gone. So you know, you, again, yeah, hope the NCAA makes the right decision there. But I will say, I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot. I give the rundown of, of my of my board, and again, I always would preface this with you know, everyone has a bias to how they would see things and how you know, and, and again, so I'm approaching this from kind of giving my thought of, and again. It's more of, okay, guys that fit into a zone scheme, maybe what Oklahoma does, or can do both, right? And, and I kind of give some idea on each of why I rank them there. Number one for me is Casey Poe. I think Casey's maybe the, one of the top – I think he's probably arguably the top guard in the country. You watch the guy, and it's kind of everything you want. You know, he's 6'5", he's 280, but it's a really lean, very clean, 280 pounds – really strong. He just bends at the knees and is able to set down, right? Like get his butt underneath him, like to be able to anchor. If anybody tries to bring, bring power on him, a bull rush and the guy, you know, one, he's very country strong, but he's just got, you know, a, a awesome length in his arms. Uh, and then, you know, again, just like some flexibility and some dexterity in his lower body. I, I think, I think the world of the kid, I think he is, I hope, I mean, everything you see on him, he seems like an absolute perfect fit for uh, a room with Andrew Rame and Jake Taylor and Sexton and those guys. Like he's a country kid that likes to hunt and fish and those kids are hundred percent wired the same. So, you know, it's again to your, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a battle with Alabama and LSU and Texas A&M and all the top schools in the country are chasing after him. But I think Oklahoma's in a good spot. Uh, number two for me, and it's similar in this regard. So Grant Bricks, uh, I think there's a ton of added value. And one of the reasons I, I contend I would maybe love to see them add uh, six is I think Bricks and, and even Max Anderson as well, further down the list, offer flexibility to play tackle. You know, so Bricks, 6'6", 270. And it kind of, again, goes back to that. He is moving forward. He's an absolute road grader. He plays with an amazing pad level, just flat back, like right, all the old stuff, old school offensive line stuff, right? Get your pads low, get a flat back, come off the ball. That is Grant Bricks. And yeah, 6'6, 270. He's still a nimble kid. I think can play right tackle for you, can can play tackle, but he just looks like you know, when you watch Ohio State or Iowa or Michigan and some of their best teams, and you see those offensive linemen all standing there, they're all 6'5", 6'6", 310 to 320 pounds, flat belly. Like that's, you know, that's Grant Bricks in, in two to three years and Casey Poe. 
Third for me is is Eddie Pierre Luis. I'll be honest. I, I if someone in you, you think you kind of did previously, wanted to make the argument that you know, so Pierre Luis should be one. I I don't I I wouldn't really argue extremely hard against against you on that. The only reason I have him there is I I kind of go back to it is the arm length of Poe and Bricks that when they face bigger interior defensive tackles, guys that are 6'4", 340 pounds, and I harken back and flash back to, you know, uh, Murray, Chris Murray inside for Oklahoma. To me, what he was the most physical offensive lineman on the team last year, like consistent from a consistent effort, right. Trying try to get after people. He was, he had more nasty in him. And you saw in certain situations, like against Texas, it was highlighted sometimes, you know, his lack of length, you know, his lack of arm length. It's just, it's just a, it's a physical. He, he got buried. He got buried. Yeah. By bigger. It, yeah. Cause they can get into him before, you know, he could get into them. And so that's where I would have, that's the only reason I would have Louise. Cause you know, to your point, right. Which I know I say that a lot, but uh, the kid is an extremely, extremely good athlete. Like it's really impressive. His ability to move. Uh, he could play like guard center uh, and he'll be, I think he's a kid's going to play in the NFL, you know, which I know it's early, but I do. For uh, Daniel Cruz, uh, and I, I didn't know a ton about him uh, until really this spring. He, he kind of popped on, you know, uh, the on the radar and was talked about. Hey, it looks like Oklahoma, you know, is is, is really going to be kind of leading here. And then it, to you know, it, it's it's been a lot of Texas talk since then. But you know, six four, two hundred eighty seven. He can move, slide his feet really, really well. Uh, reminds me of was it uh, Michigan offensive uh, center from a few years ago? Caesar was a, he was a he was an IMG kid. Uh, I think he was like a first round draft pick. I mean, he, he reminds yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That's who Cruz reminds me. Of. I think Cruz is probably one of the better centers in the country. You know, he's really strong, moves really well. Uh, you know. Move down one. I've got Max Anderson. Uh, you know, so Max Anderson again. I think so. It's Max Anderson and then Caesar, Anderson. Caesar Ruiz. That's the guy. Caesar Ruiz. Yeah, yeah. That's who. That's who Daniel Cruz reminds me of. Is is Caesar Ruiz? Uh, my next two in order were Max Anderson and Emerson uh, Mandel. And we chatted on this. For me, you know, I, I think you could go either or and move those two around. I think Mandel is a stronger, more physical guy inside. He's an absolute mauler. Like he and Bricks are similar in that regard. Like they just bury guys and really, really kind of manhandle even bigger kids. Uh, you know, but the reason I had Max slightly above him is Max is similar in that he is big, long. He looks like a if he was in maize and blue, he looks like the Michigan guard from this past year on their on, on that team they had that won the Joe Moore Award, you know, just physically. But he's a he's got experience at left tackle. I think he moves his feet. He's a little bit lighter on his feet. I mean, just a little bit than Mandel. And I think uh, you know, Max could could play tackle for you in a pinch. You know, it would probably, you know, similar to like an Eric Swenson. I think he's got better like flexibility, ability to to bend at the knee than than Eric had, which if we're fair to him was, 
you know, he, he lost a lot of that through a series of injuries at Oklahoma. But I, I think Max brings you some flexibility in, in his ability to play, uh, play some tackle for you. So after Mandel, it was uh, Jason uh, Zandamala. And yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, we yeah. Think that's right. It's something along those lines. I, I, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's probably one of the top three, four, five centers in the country. He's extremely athletic. It kind of goes back to what we continue to see, and I love with this staff comparative to the previous, is he's just got all this runway to continue to grow and fill out. You know, he's listed 286. I think that's probably heavy. I don't think he's really that that heavy just because he looks really lean. I think he's probably closer to 270 maybe. Yeah, yeah. 275. And, and 275. And it's a, again, it's a really clean 275. Yeah. He's not carrying a bunch of bad excess weight. You know, he runs, he moves his feet, extremely light on his feet, can move really well. You know, uh, it, it, you know, he's, he's what you would want from a, you know, from an interior, from a center, right. Intelligent guy that can, that can move to a lot of stuff for you strong, you know, can, can kind of, yeah, if, you, if you told me, Oh, you had to sign a high school center this year. I, I, he might be number one on my list in terms of interest signability and need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, but they got, I, but they got, they've got Bates. So maybe a high school center isn't such a huge need in the class, but yeah. Yeah, but if it was, but if they didn't sign Bates and they said they, you've got to, we got to sign a center this year, I'd be like, go all out on on and on on, J, on Jason from Clearwater. That kid can play. Yes, agreed, agreed. Yeah, and all all early returns on on Bates are he's going to be a player. Yeah, it's so early. Yeah. I think Here, hearing hearing Rain play. talk about that, he's he's got his hands just cut up from fighting guys. It's just like, all right, yep, that's a center. Yeah, and then just watching them in the clips we've seen, you know, from all of the, you know, practice, open practices, he just, he moves well. And he's, I, in my mind, he he moves well, and he's nowhere close to where he's going to be physically. Oh, no, no, another in, year. In a year or two. Another he'll year look, in a Schmitty car wash, he's going to look really different and be yeah. be a handful. Yeah, he'll, he'll look like a, a different human being. Yeah. So I think the, yeah, he's got a really high ceiling. Uh, and, and then last for me was, was Preston uh, Tuama. He's uh, so he's big and physical and powerful, like really thick in the lower half. He plays tackle on his high school team and he mauls people. I think he probably would kick inside to a guard in college. Uh, and, you know, and so I think the only reason I have him down that far is, uh, you know, I think some of the other ones are a little bit more, a little bit lighter on their feet than, yeah. than what he is. But, you know, if, if Oklahoma was running more of a, a gap scheme, you know, where it was a lot of like that pin and pull, yeah, he, he, he'd probably be higher, I would, you know, back to Sprague to some regard. That's where I find him a bit of an interesting fit. And the same thing with Frazier from Vandegrift High School out of Austin. Uh, both of them are kind of prototypical, you know, uh, NFL-looking offensive tackles, right? Like 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", 270, 280 pounds, really long and athletic. And what Michigan does, though, is a, is a lot of gap scheme. So it'll be interesting to see if they start to switch that up or if, you know, as they're getting, you know, some better skilled players, if they don't do some more zone stuff, because they're going to have uh, some quarterback run game with the, with the big five-star quarterback they got committed this past, uh, maybe last week or the week before. Yeah. So it's interesting fits for, for Michigan. I, I thought they fit better in a, in a zone scheme. Interesting. What I like is we're talking eight players, right? There's, there's, 
there's options, right? Yeah. And and I would I would if if I was ignoring if I was ignoring the signability part, Eddie Lou Pierre Louis would be number one for me because I just think because I can't get away watching him run track where he looks like he's literally running through brick walls right. to, to get to the end line. And he's film is good. And it, I just have Davin Joseph 2.0 in my mind and I can't let go of it. But it's a bias there. It's just like, he's from Tampa. He's from Florida. He's, he's a huge guard. He's mobile. He's aggressive. I'm like, it's, it's Davin Joseph 2.0. We got to sign him. So that's my bias there. I think Casey Poe is just, it's, there's a, there's so much upside. There's, I don't see the downside other than other than Alabama wants him badly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and I, I think I like Emerson Mandel a little bit more than you, just as the inside, just his mauling, his physicality, and his nasty, um, his nasty numbers kind of high based upon his film. He's throwing some guys around and seems to really enjoy it. So um, I think that's maybe why I have Emerson Mandel a little higher. But it's it's nice, it's nice that that. We've got eight kids and, you know, and if you, and again, in your world where, oh, you could sign 27 kids, you know, I, I go, Poe, give me Poe, Bricks, and Zanamella. And I, and I love that inside group to go with what's on camp, what's coming on camp, what's on campus and what's coming on campus, right? Oh, yeah. Ozetta and Caden Green at guard. And then you got Howland at offensive tackle and then you got Bates at Bates at center. So it's like, you know, the four guys they got last year really seem to be, you know, the, the, we, we don't know about Ozetta and Howland yet because they're not on campus yet, but the reports on Bates and green just couldn't be better at this point. So it looks like B B and B's really finding kids that are talented, but also fit, fit the grind, the Schmitty and B and B, grind of becoming an, an offensive lineman because we know B and B is going after these kids because uh because reporters keep getting keep getting in in trouble recording him dropping f-bombs everywhere well, so I, i'll say it was I, no one's talked about it but you have to watch it oh god so oklahoma did they've been doing mic'd up right and this past week i don't know if it was the monday or the wednesday practice they mic'd up a receiver or somebody right and they stand there He's talking to one of the other receivers and uh, offensive linemen are behind him and you hear Bill walking. And I don't know what was what he's who he's talking to. I don't recall. But you just hear like you hear the hint. You hear a faint F-bomb. And I was, I was like, you know, I, I, I tweeted that meme. That's that's the offensive line coach I know. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. We've talked about this. Uh, you know, between us and, and some of the mods on, on the 360 site. And I think we talked about it in one of the threads. I would love to get Bill to like a UFC fight because I know he's a UFC guy and get him halfway uh, lubed up a little bit, you know, get some liquor in him and find out how much of the previous approach to offensive line recruiting was Riley because and we, and it's, I think it's, I think it's panning out that, Riley was messing with his offer numbers and who he was after. Cause I, you know, the pursuit of guys like Tristan Lee, who is, I think flaming out at Clemson, right? Yeah. He's not he doing, hasn't played. Hasn't played. And well, that's the know, thing about offensive line, right? Like, and then Cam Devin Campbell and then some of these other guys that they were chasing and never really got a, got a chance at. It's just, you know, there's a couple of really highly ranked offensive linemen like 
uh, Daniel Seaton from DC, who's who was really interested in OU, and he's kind of dropped off. And and OU's not like chasing him, you know. I don't think BNB's wasting cycles after the kid because he's not interested in OU any longer. So let's just move on and focus on the kids that are. Yeah. So it, I, I said this, and it, this, I would love to ask him this question because it felt it felt like from a methodology perspective, what what Riley wanted to do was. You know, and I've joked about this that I don't know how many evals they did. I think sometimes they were looking at, okay, this kid's a five star and this kid's a top 100 kid. Offer him, let's go get him. And as opposed to just really digging in and, okay, is he a fit? Uh, but it felt like at times, you know, when you watch the recruiting, that that's what the process was. It was, hey, we are only going to chase the top elite kids in the country. If you can't sign them, we will just backfill and we will go get kids out of the portal. We're not going to waste time trying to develop, you know, these guys, you know, and in hindsight, you pull back and you look at it. It's interesting. If you guys recall, when Riley took over as head coach, he talked about openly, we do not want to recruit guys that don't play until their third or fourth year. We want, we're only recruiting guys that can come in here and play right now. That's because we're elite and that's what elite programs do. I think he was getting lost and seeing the three guys out of every Alabama class that jumps into the two deep every year. And he wasn't looking at the 22 kids they sign every year that don't play until year three. Right. It's it, which makes sense. But uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, we would look. I mean, some, the guys up. Some of these guys might need a year or two to get better, and I'm like, and that's a problem. I mean, you know, that's what you want, honestly. I, that's it's it's why it's in such stark contrast to what Brent his approach is. Like, we're going to develop these guys. We're going to get them in, and we don't want. We're in trouble for relying on a true freshman left tackle. We want a third or fourth year kid that's going to be a you know first round draft pick. That's who we want as our our left tackle. Yeah, right? Caden Green shouldn't be starting unless four guys are hurt. Yeah, yeah, no, Caden, Caden Green should be watching uh, Walter Rouse to put together an amazing set of film for Rouse to go in the second round. That's what he should be doing, right? And so that's why I'd love to get, in, get in, you know, just a little bit in and say, hey, because this looks like a complete 180 in some regards of like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go sign a ton of really great kids that fit us mentally and physically, and we're going to develop the crap out of them. And we're going to have just a pipeline where we just continue to roll, right? We just reload. We just reload. All right, guys. I think that was a very fantastic discussion on offensive line and really the whole podcast. I mean, there was a, a lot of info to go over this, this week and uh, you guys did a great job as usual. For more discussion like this, head over to Sooners360.com. Uh, there's a lot of threads on the board. We'll be talking about offensive line. We'll be talking about Hawkins. We'll be talking about the possibility of that second quarterback coming in. Uh, Chris and Saptown on the board have been tracking upcoming official visits. So head to the board, check out that tracker. And again, as another reminder, don't miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite platform of choice. And we will see everyone around the water.
Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.